How are we doing, Salt Company? Great to see you guys. Welcome to the Salt Company kickoff 2023. This is amazing. Oh my word, there's so many of you. Guys, we are so glad you're here. We are so thankful you're here. You know what I'm also thankful for? This air conditioning. How about this air conditioning this week? Man, you survived college. You also survived the hottest week of eternity. And so, great job. You're doing great already. Um, guys, it's so good to see you. There's something about uh, Cedar Falls, this area, when college students come, you guys just bring so much fun, so much energy into the city, and we love you so much. So if we haven't met yet, my name is Trent Elliott, and I am the director of the Salt Company. And if you are new to the Salt Company, here are three things you need to know about salt. Okay, three things. We do a lot of things. Here's what you need to know about salt, though. Three things. First of all is that we love you. Okay, we love you, whoever you are. Wherever you're at, whatever questions you come into college with, whatever baggage you bring in here, we love you and you are welcome here. Second is that we love Jesus. We believe that he is the son of God and the savior of the world. And we believe that he wants to do a great work in your life. And third, I added this one, it's a bonus. We love the UNI Panthers. Let's go. That's right. All right, freshman, earlier, Andy tried to, you know, see where you were. You got to know, we, we want to, you know, we're for the Panthers here, okay? We cheer. We, we actually bring a lot of school spirit. And so if you don't already know, there's a couple cheers you need to know. You need to know, U-N-I, fight. U-N-I, fight. There it is. And then also, this one, I don't think it's an official one, but I really like it and I want to make it a thing. We go, meow, 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 meow. Okay, what do we think? Yeah, I think, I think it should be a thing, okay? We love the Panthers. Guys, like they were saying, uh, guys, 10 years ago, Candeo Church was planted because you and I is here for college students. It's planted for you. It's planted for our Hawkeye students. Go Red Tails. Planted for our Warburg students. Go Warburg. Worth it, right? That's what we do? Cool, yeah. Warburg. Worth it. All the money I'm paying is worth it. I'm trying to convince myself. That's, that's how I'd really think of it. We love you guys. It's great. Go Knights. Guys, that's who we are, and we are so glad that you are here. Whether you know, have known about salt for a while, you've been looking forward to get, getting involved, or whether you just heard there was free Chick-fil-A, you're like, I'll hop in a car, get free Chick-fil-A. Hey, I respect that. If, that, if that's you, that's a good, good move for you. You're smart. So great job. We are super glad that you are here. I know you could be doing a million other things, so thank you for spending some time with us. As we head into the new, this new school year, this new year of salt, Here's my hope for this room. My hope for this room is that we would find belonging, okay? Belonging, that, that the people in here would become your friends, that you walk through college, the ups and the downs with, that we'd find belonging. And my second hope is that you would experience Jesus in new ways this year. That you would come to a greater understanding of his love and his desire to be in a relationship with you. See, guys, there's a lot of excitement that goes into a new year. You guys come to the city, even in this room, the fun that we have, the hype, the awesomeness, the music, whatever that cool, uh, uh, you know, astronaut thing was happening earlier on, right? All things that are awesome, energy you guys bring. Here's what I also know to be true about this room, okay? Here's what I also know to be true about this room, that it's not all happy feelings and good vibes that we're bringing in here tonight, right? It might look like it from the outside, if you're just to, to glance, say, okay, this, this looks like it's put together. But the reality of this room is that if each of us were to do an inventory check of our heart, 
and to look what's going on underneath, to see what else you're bringing in here tonight, my guess is that there would also be a lot of pain brought in here tonight. Hearts that have been broken. Maybe deep feelings of loneliness. Maybe especially this first week. Maybe feelings of shame or guilt that you just can't seem to shake. It follows you. Maybe recent news of of sickness. Maybe the passing of a loved one. Looking put together on the outside, but inside insecure, helpless, and scared. See, it's entirely possible to walk into a room like this, full of a lot of people, and at the same time, to feel completely unseen and unknown. Unseen by people and maybe even unseen by God. Does he see me in my need? Does he care about me with all of my baggage? If this is you, know that you are not alone. And tonight I want to share a story about a man who was also surrounded by a lot of people but felt completely unseen. A man named Bartimaeus who was a blind beggar who wanted to see but also felt unseen by the world around him. So if you have a Bible or an app, you can open up to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. If you don't, hey, no worries at all. We're going to have it up on the screen. You can follow along with us. But this is what we do every week at Salt Company. We open up to hear from the Word of God. We don't have anything to say of our own. We want to hear from God. So Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Let's read about Bartimaeus. It says, They, meaning Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho, And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. All right, we're going to pause here. We're going to kind of set the scene of what's going on in this story. So Jesus and his disciples come to this town, Jericho, on their way to Jerusalem. Okay, Jerusalem is kind of this capital city of the Jewish world where a lot of uh, religious things happen. It's actually where Jesus would soon be hung on a cross. Maybe you know that part of the story. And so they're passing through. They're on their way to Jerusalem, but they go through Jericho, the last major city on their way. And if this sounds familiar, and you were at Freshman, uh, uh, I almost said Freshman Friday. You should do that too. Freshman welcome last Sunday. This sounds familiar. That's because it should. You're doing great. This is actually the exact same place and time that Jesus saved Zacchaeus. Right? Zacchaeus. Maybe some of you know this story. The tax collector. Right? In fact, this was probably just the day before that he saved Zacchaeus. Now this is the day after. This amazing story of a rich tax collector, Zacchaeus, who had earned his money by cheating people out of it. A man viewed as others by the worst of sinners. Someone that Jesus would never want to associate with. But as Jesus comes through this town of Jericho, Zacchaeus gets up into a sycamore tree just to see if he can get a glimpse of this guy. And to his surprise and everyone else's surprise, Jesus sees him up in that sycamore tree and says, Zacchaeus, it's necessary for me to stay at your house tonight. It blows his mind. It blows everyone's mind. Zacchaeus comes down. It says he welcomes him joyfully. And it says, on that day, Zacchaeus received salvation. Right? That's the story of Zacchaeus that we had talked about last Sunday. And so Jesus and his disciples stay at Zacchaeus' house. And the very next day, they get up to leave for Jerusalem. And it says that as they were leaving Jericho, there were large crowds that were crowding the streets and following them as they made their way out. 
okay, which this was pretty common in Jesus' life, this point in his ministry for crowds to follow him. They want to know who is this guy, right? This is what people are saying about him. Is he actually this guy? And if you're having a hard time imagining just like crowds following someone, seeing what he's all about, uh, it would kind of be like if you guys were on campus and Taylor Swift started just walking through. Where are my Taylor Swift fans at? I know, I know there's a few. I know you Swifties. You guys are crazy, okay? So if, if Taylor Swift was walking through campus, you would do everything you could just to get around her, just to get a glimpse. Literally, if she walked through campus, crowds would follow her, okay? So if you're having a hard time imagining that's what's going on here, this is the type of crowd that is following Jesus around. You guys are all talking, arguing about it was Taylor Swift. That's cool. And as Jesus and his disciples are on the road to leave this town and the crowds are gathering around, we're introduced to another man who's behind the crowds. But where Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector with money and power up in a tree, this man was on the complete opposite end of the economic spectrum, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus who was sitting on the ground. Now we don't know exactly how Bartimaeus came to be blind, whether he was just born that way or whether he caught a disease which was common in that day as well. But here's what we do know. To be blind in the first century was not a happy story. It was a story of tragedy. See, in that day, you were only as valuable as what you could contribute to society. So in a day and age without iPhone accessibility features and books written in Braille, blind people had very little to contribute And so they were seen of having very little value. In fact, when you walked by a blind person, you didn't see a person, you saw a burden. A burden to you and a burden to society. And so this was the life of Bartimaeus. Day by day, on the side of the road, blind and begging for survival. Begging for survival on those passing through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. Begging and sometimes receiving a little just enough to get by, but most of the time receiving nothing and being completely ignored. Can you imagine a lifetime of blindness in a world where nobody cares about you? It's a story of tragedy, of a man desperate for help, unable to see and unseen by the world around him. And so one morning, as he's on the side of the road, probably where he slept the night before, he begins to hear shuffling of feet from off in the distance, a crowd of people getting closer and closer until he starts to hear whispers of what's going on. And that's where we pick up in verse 47. It says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to be quiet, but he was crying out all the more, have mercy on me. Son of David. So Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus who's passing through. And from his spot on the side of the road, where he can only hear footsteps, right, and people passing by, he lets out these desperate cries for help. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And some in the crowd were trying to shut him up, right? Maybe they were embarrassed by him. Maybe they didn't want to burden this Jesus guy with the blind beggar. So they try to keep him quiet. They say, shut up, Bartimaeus. He doesn't want you. But he says he cries out all the more, even louder this time. Have mercy on me, son of David. And as we look at this scene, 
of a blind beggar calling out for Jesus. I want to try to get into the mind of Bartimaeus. There's something interesting here. Here's the question that comes to my mind. Who does Bartimaeus believe Jesus to be? Right, because these are desperate cries for help. Top of your lungs cries for help. You know how if like your roommate or your sibling like calls your name to, for help, you're like, they probably want me to like get the remote from the other side of the room. I'm not going to fall for that trap. I'm not helping, you know, you can kind of tell. But you can also tell like when they're like actually in trouble. Like they just got hurt, they're injured, they need you to take you to the emergency room. They're like, get up there. You know, like they're, you can tell that type of cry. That, that's, that's maybe what it would sound like. So you can, you can tell in their voice, right? These are those types of cries. Bartimaeus had a very real need. And it seems like he really believes that Jesus can help him. And it begs the question, who does Bartimaeus believe Jesus to be? Like, why does Bartimaeus believe that Jesus can help him? Who is this Jesus guy? Can he really help him? This is a question the crowds were asking too in their own way. Who is Jesus? That's why they're following around him. Is he a prophet? Is he a teacher? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? This is the question that many of us maybe are also asking or should be asking. Who is this Jesus? Is he just a fairy tale that people believe in to make him feel better? Is he just a good and moral man that we should try to, to emulate and model in our lives? Or is he really the son of God? And can he really help with me with my problems? So who does Bartimaeus believe Jesus to be? Well, the answer is in the text that we just read. See, Bartimaeus calls Jesus an interesting name. He calls him the son of David, right? Kind of an interesting title. I don't know why he's doing that. What does that mean? Well, to understand, we're going to need a short history lesson. See, much of our Bibles, in fact, a pretty significant section of it, follows the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, and the promise that God would rescue and protect his people. And so maybe you remember some of these stories, right? This famous story of, of Moses and, and, and the escape of the Israelites from the, 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 the armies of Pharaoh, where they're chasing after the Israelites. And in this amazing act, Moses puts down his staff and God splits the Red Sea. They pass through on a dry ground. And then after they pass through, God slams the sea back on the Egyptians, back on the Pharaoh's armies to save them. Right? Maybe you know some of these stories. Well, uh, uh, many years later, the nation of Israel was led by a king named King David. And he was a great man, but ultimately he proved to fall short. He was not the ultimate answer to God's rescue mission for his people. But in 2 Samuel 7, God gives a promise to David, King David, about a future king who will one day fulfill this rescue mission. I'm going to show it up on the screen. Verse, chapter 7, verse 11. It says, The Lord declares to you, David, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. God promised a future king, right? The Israelites would have known this as the Messiah, which means savior, this son of God who will come in the line of David. 
This is the king that the Jews and the people of Israel were waiting for. And some believed Jesus to be this person, but many Jews were skeptical that Jesus was this promised king. See, they expected a strong warrior-type figure who would lead them to military battles and military victories. That's who they believed Jesus to be, to be. But blind Bartimaeus saw what they couldn't. Who did Bartimaeus believe Jesus to be? By calling him son of David, he believed Jesus to be the promised king, the Messiah, the savior of the world, the son of God. And it's this belief in who Jesus is that makes him think that maybe Jesus can really help me. And it compels him to yell out, in effect, King Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, King Jesus. So that's where we're at. And here's the question we're waiting to see answered. Will Jesus help Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus believes that Jesus has the power to help him, this great king, this promised savior. The question is, though, will a king stop for a blind beggar? Because kings usually don't tend to associate themselves with blind beggars, do they? Right? You cannot imagine two more opposite ends of the spectrum of prestige and power. A king who rules over all, and in this case, the heavens and the earth, and a blind beggar who can't even help himself. Bartimaeus has been looked past his whole life. Nobody sees him. So why would a king stop for a beggar? Maybe you too wonder if God sees you. If God was walking down the road, would he stop for you? Or does he only have time for the people who have their lives put together? Would God stop for a burden like me? Does God see me? Maybe this is a question you've had, you've wrestled with. And it's here, in between these cries, that Bartimaeus waits to hear, what will Jesus do? Right? He can't see Jesus' reaction. All he can do is cry out and hope that Jesus hears his cries. Will a king stop for a beggar? So he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, son of David. What will Jesus do? Look at verse 49 with me. It says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up, he's calling for you. He threw off his coat, which would have held all the possessions he had at that time, the few he had. He jumped up, he comes to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, which means Lord, the blind man said to him, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. On that day, Bartimaeus was healed. Right? He was able to see how amazing that must have been for a man who was blind his whole life. But even more, on that day, for the first time in his life, Bartimaeus was truly seen by someone. And not just someone, by the son of David, the promised king, the Messiah, the savior of the world, the son of God. 
Who is Jesus? This is a story that teaches us Jesus isn't just for the rich or the put together or the people with something to offer him. He is the merciful king who sees those in need. He stops for those in need and he heals those in need. And he sees you. It's entirely possible to walk into this room surrounded by a lot of people and to feel completely unseen and unworthy to feel alone in your pain, alone in your sufferings, alone in whatever circumstances you're going through, to wonder if God is the type of God that cares about a person like me. Would he stop for me? Can he heal a person like me? The beautiful answer is yes. He does see you. He will stop for you, and he can heal you. Jesus is the merciful king, the promised Messiah, the savior of the world, and he loves you. Even if everyone else is walking by, viewing you as a burden, or your inner voice, like the crowds, is trying to say, Jesus doesn't want to associate with you. Your burdens, Jesus doesn't care about them. The truth is that he does. He hears your cries. He sees you when nobody else does, and he wants to help you and to heal you. You are not alone. Jesus isn't just for the rich. He isn't just for those who have their lives put together. He's for the person who is in need, in desperate need, the blind beggars among us. He's for the person here who feels like they've been looked past their whole lives. He's for the outcast. He's for the sick and the hurting. He's here for the person in here who has the put-together face, but it's broken and falling apart inside. He's for you. So like the crowds say to Bartimaeus, when Jesus calls for him, have courage and get up because God sees you. He stops for you and he wants to heal you. God is a God who has come to heal those who are in need. But I want to talk to another group of people in here tonight. The people in here who don't feel like they have much of a need. What if I don't relate with the blind beggar all that much? Like things are going pretty well in my life, no major problems, nothing to complain about. You know, I try to be a good person. People do see me generally, I have a lot of friends. Life is pretty good. I don't really feel like I have that need, that many needs. And if I'm honest, I'm not really sure that I need to add God to my life. Well, first of all, I think if you really thought about it, you do have needs. You do have needs. Every single one of us has needs. You have needs, obviously, for food and shelter. Some of you are like, I didn't eat dinner. Like, I really need a Chick-fil-A sandwich in my belly this moment. I'm going to down that Chick-fil-A sandwich. I hope you got extra Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't know if we did. I hope we did too. For me, one of my needs is I, I have a need for a shower every time I take two steps out of the building right now, okay? I'm, I'm a sweaty person. I think it's genetic. I'd probably get it checked out, right? <laughs> we each have needs. We all have needs, but even on a deeper level, we all have needs. You have needs for feelings of purpose and feelings of significance in life. You have a need to be loved, right? You might try and fulfill those needs through other things than God, career, money, parties, relationships, but there's still needs. 
for every single person in here, whether you feel your need or not, we all have needs. But there's one need that every single one of us has. And it's actually the greatest need we have. And it's a need that Bartimaeus had too. A need that was greater than his need for sight. Look back at the text with me one more time. Verse 51 says, Then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. Here you have a blind man who asks for sight. That's what he wanted more than anything else, to receive sight. So why is it that Jesus responds by saying, go, your faith has saved you? And then it says you receive sight. Why is it the blind man asks for sight, but Jesus responds saying that your faith has saved you before giving him sight? The answer is because Bartimaeus didn't know it, but his biggest problem was not physical blindness, but spiritual blindness. Bartimaeus had a lot of needs, but his biggest need was not an eye problem. It was a heart problem. And it's a heart problem that every single one of us in this room has too. And the problem in our hearts is sin. Guys, let me be clear with what we believe here at Salt Company. We believe that God is the creator of the world. The heavens and the earth and everything in it, he created you and he created me to love and to serve him, and he loves us. We also believe that every single human is sinful and broken, and that even the best of us have deep-rooted evil in our hearts that comes out in our actions and in our words every single day. And we believe that that sin in our hearts has separated us from God. It has broken our relationship with him, and that apart from him, we will never quite find what we're searching for in life. This is our biggest problem. This is our greatest need, the sin in our hearts. We may have a lot of needs, but more than anything else, we need a savior. There's nothing we can do to fix this sin problem on our own. Guys, our church attendance won't fix it. It doesn't matter how much church you went to growing up. Our good works will never be enough. It doesn't matter how many things you you sign up to to serve in. And pursuing anything else won't work either. We are all in need. We are all the blind beggar on the side of the road with no way to save ourselves. We all need a Savior. So here's the question. Will King Jesus stop on the side of the road for a sinner like me? Well, the answer is yes. We believe that God out of an abundance of love and mercy, sees each and every one of us in our need. And that God came on a rescue mission in the person of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins through the only way that was possible, by dying on a cross. A cross that should have been ours. A death that we deserve. And what looked like weakness from a king on a cross was actually a sacrifice. Because on that, cro- on that cross, Jesus took the punishment for our sin. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, declaring victory over death, and then extended the invitation that everyone who puts their faith in Jesus 
can be forgiven of their sin and given new life and new purpose. That their greatest need can be met. We believe this is our greatest need and we believe that Jesus has provided the solution. That salvation and spiritual sight is available to you tonight. The forgiveness of sins that you have longed for, the relationship with the God of the universe is available to you tonight. So how do you receive it? How do you receive this salvation and spiritual sight? Well, the same way that Bartimaeus did. To have faith like Bartimaeus. See, Bartimaeus knew two things to be true. He knew that he was a man in great need, and he knew that Jesus was the only one who could heal him. When you recognize your need, and you believe that there's only one person who can heal you of that need, you will do everything you can to cry out for mercy. The desperate kind of cry. In high school, I had a situation like this. My friends and I, we wanted to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Shout out B-dubs. It's great. We wanted to go Buffalo Wild Wings. And so we, we go and we, we are heading out. My friend's going to drive. My other friend gets in the passenger seat. He called shotgun, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm in, getting in the backside driver door. And as I'm going to get in, I find out it's locked. So I lean over to the friend in the passenger seat and say, hey, can you unlock the door? At the same time, the driver's side door guy opens up the door, hits me right in the tooth, breaks it right in half, okay? First of all, bummer of the night, I didn't get to go to B-dubs, and they went without me. Some friends they are, right? That's right. Some friends. Uh, Second bummer of the night is that I just knocked my tooth out. So I don't know what to do. I call my parents. I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm driving home. I get home. Uh, we're kind of frantically trying to figure out what to do. My dad's Googling, what do you do when, you know, this happens? Uh, he, he takes the tooth. He puts it in milk. That's what you're supposed to do. Pres- helps preserve the milk or something. Uh, so he does that. My, <laughs> preserve, yeah, actually, teeth are great for preserving milk. That's, no, you get the other way around. You got me. So he puts it, he puts the tooth in the milk. My mom walks in the room. She sees a glass of milk that no one's using, throws it down the sink with my tooth. So I'm like, great. Now we're, sh- now we're trying to find it and not hit, get hit by the garbage disposal, all that. It, everyone was really happy. You can tell, right? So that's, we're sitting there. Guys, we're sitting there without any ability to fix this situation on our own. But there's one person in town, in our small town, that, that, that might be able to help the dentist, obviously. And so... We do everything we can to do to get on the phone with her. We finally connect. We ask if there's any way that we could come in. I know it's late. It's 8 8 p.m. at this point. It's an emergency. But she says, yeah, she lets us in. We can meet her at the dentist office. We go in. And I actually have a picture uh, from there. Yep. So you can't see it, but the nerve was sticking out just a little bit, you know. Also, someone said I looked high in this. I'm not high. It was just tears from earlier. I'm man enough to admit it now, okay? I didn't know they could fix teeth. I thought I was going to be without it forever. So turns out dentists can, can fix teeth. Guys, doctor came in, fixed my tooth, going strong to this day. So we're good. Here's the thing. Guys, that day, I knew my need. And I knew there was only one person who could heal me of that need. And so we cried out with everything we could to ask her for help. 
That's all that Jesus asks of you. How do you receive salvation? The answer is not church attendance. The answer is not to put your life together and then God will love you. How do you receive salvation? Have faith like Bartimaeus. Recognize the greatest need that you have, your need for a savior, someone to forgive you of your sin and believe that Jesus is the king who sees you on the side of the road and that he alone can save you and that he did on the cross. And you, when you believe that and you cry out, have mercy on me, King Jesus, he's faithful to forgive you and you will receive mercy. The invitation is open tonight. Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. He isn't asking you to fix yourself up and then come to him. He wants to give mercy to you as you are. He sees you. He's come to save you. Will you cry out for mercy?